Hey, Legal Rebels. Thanks for tuning in to Lawdroid Manifesto, a rallying cry for legal innovation. I'm Tom Martin, and today we're going to talk about AI and the law, the challenge for our generation, where when we come back, I'm going to share with you an old story that sheds some light on our current moment. An old story about the Sultan and Orban. And uh, why the heck am I talking about that? It just uh, seems to be particularly relevant to what's going on right now. Um, it was a time back in the 15th century when it, it was an existing technology, but it was so much better than it had been previously that it just made a quantum leap difference in how you approach the world. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about uh, back then, there still was a remnant of the uh, Eastern Roman Empire in Constantinople. And the Sultan, Mehmed, he uh, had this torturous history with his father, where he actually took over the throne when he was 12. And then his dad kind of clawed that back from him and took it away, uh, and then allowed him to ascend to the throne again when he was 19. And as you can imagine, if you put yourself in in his shoes, like really felt that he had something to prove uh, to his dad and to to people that he, you know, could stand on his own and he could he could have his own achievements. Um, and so when he took over, he wanted to make his own imprint on the world. And so it just coincided with the same time there was this master uh, iron forger named Orban. Uh, he was Hungarian, and he was not only good at what he does, but he was an enterprising guy. He was an entrepreneur, and he and his son, um, they were lucky enough to get an audience. I'm not sure how they pulled that off, but they got an audience with Mehmed. And they're like, hey, Mehmed, um, we know you have wanted for wanted to make this your major achievement. And we know that generations of sultans before you have wanted to conquer Constantinople. And just a little background, the problem with them, with them trying to do that and accomplishing it is that the walls of Constantinople had stood for a thousand years, had withstood sieges, assaults, um, you name it. The Ottoman Empire had thrown everything at it and the walls were standing as this impregnable barrier uh, between the Ottoman Empire and this last remaining vestige of um, the Roman Empire. And why? Because they were so thick. They also had like multiple, uh, you know, moats and uh, part of it was protected by the sea. It was just a very, um, very protected uh, position that Constantinople was. And if you've ever looked at the map, you could see the Constantinople's geographically strategic too and in the power that it can project uh from that position to the rest of the world so it was definitely uh, a prime location to extend one's empire and so that was the reason that Mehmed was after it as well as his own personal reasons and so Orban gets this audience with Mehmed and is like hey I can create this super weapon for you uh the super gun that no one has achieved before 
and we can project these gigantic cannonballs against Constantinople that they're so large. I think the way you put it was that they can take down the walls of Babylon. Um, Mehmed was pretty impressed. Uh, Orban said, well, Mehmed, to his credit, was like, why are you talking to me? You're you're Hungarian, you're, you're Christian, so why aren't you trying to sell this to, um, you know, the the roman emperor um and orban basically was like he's not willing to pay my price um i'm here to be an enterprising uh businessman and he just couldn't meet my price and mehmed said pretty much look if you could do this for me i'm willing to pay you four times what you want and with that uh he orban was overjoyed as as was his son but the catch was that mehmed needed it done very quickly. So that's a tale old as time for other uh, vendors and entrepreneurs out there that a client sometimes wants something under the gun. And uh, so then he takes it to task and he builds this cannon and the rest, as they say, is history. The walls of Constantinople fell and Mehmed became known uh, as Mehmed the Conqueror. So why on earth am I telling you this story about the fall of Constantinople. Well, it's because I believe that the practice of law as it currently stands is like Constantinople. Um, you know, the practice of law stood for, not in the same form, but it stood for about 2000 years. Emperor Claudius, um, you know, legalized advocacy where someone can represent someone else and get paid. So that's, before then, you weren't allowed to get paid for it. Um, but Claudius uh, legalized that. And so essentially it became a profession at that point. And it stood that way for 2000 years. And it's gotten obviously more and more uh, regulated and professional over time, one would hope, and it has. Um, and so it has this wall. It has this moat. And the moat is UPL, the un Unlawful Practice of Law, which is ambiguously defined and there's, of course, a counterweight to that, which is the First Amendment and free speech, freedom of association, and the ability to, um, you know, defend oneself. So there's this tension that I believe is going to play out right now uh, between these two competing things. And what's going to force the issue and what's going to explode the walls that currently exist in the practice of law is going to be AI. And we've seen, we've had tangible evidence of how this is going to play out with ChatGPT, uh, because it's the first time that we've had such a fluent and intelligent interaction with artificial intelligence. Um, my company, Lodroid, was founded seven years ago now, and that was right when chatbots were becoming popular. And back then... Uh, and up until recently, it was mostly choose your own adventure. It was uh, conditional logic and at best natural language processing. So similar phrasings and serving up answers based on similar questions, that kind of thing. But what GPT technology, and it's not just open AI, there's other players at work here. And obviously it's, this has sparked, you know, chat GPT has sparked an entire arms race. Um, there's a lot of uh, players in this area. But what's different is that 
this generative AI has the ability to can hold a conversation and to have a fluent one. Um, now, I'm not naive. There, there are obviously shortcomings. There's uh, the risk of confabulation, you know, that the system can make up a fact that doesn't exist um, to try to provide an answer because it wants to please. It's kind of like a, well, a different metaphor is that, that I've heard is, is it's like a confident teenager in that it wants to be able to answer the question uh, regardless of how confidently it gets it wrong. And we just saw that recently with Bard. Um, but we don't want to be myopic either. Uh, this is just the beginning. It's going to get better and better and better over time. And um, I truly believe that where we're at now is an inflection point. And it's not one where there's going to be linear AI progress. I believe that it's truly going to be uh, exponential in that it's going to get better and better very quickly. Um, like Moore's Law, it's going to improve on itself. I've already seen number a number of articles in disparate areas of expertise that have been affected by machine learning, and that it's starting to solve problems that are in many different disparate areas from fusion reactions to um, modeling proteins to the practice of law. And, um, you know, this is going to be a change that happens very quickly for me as uh, Gen X, you know, like I experienced something similar to this when the dot-com boom happened and everything um, was rethought in terms of the internet. There was a bust, obviously, but it is how we live now. We live through um, not only our in real life experiences, but online social media. I mean, it's just a common fact of life nowadays. And in the same way, the use of artificial intelligence for everything is going to be a fact of life. And so my company and others are coming into this space. And I truly believe that we're just at the beginning of this. This is not hype. There is a certain element of, you know, puffery going on, but this is going to continue is what I mean. And an entire, you know, this is giving birth to an entire industry of companies that are going to fine tune, support, um, make easily accessible the underlying technology so that your imagination is going to be the limit of what you can create using this technology. And of course, that all sounds extremely like optimistic, positive, and there could be a dark side to it as well. But I think that we're cognizant enough and cautious enough, especially as lawyers, to be aware of those issues and to guard against them. Um, just as a side note, I recently got back from New Orleans and the reason I was there is I was speaking on a panel called Bots Practicing Law. And uh, it was put on by the Association of Professional Responsibility Lawyers. And, uh, you know, it was a very uh, eager and interested crowd. It's, it's usually rare uh, in my experience that when I'm on a speaking panel that we get many questions. Usually at the end, it's like, do you have any questions? Do you have any questions? 
kind of a Bueller, you know, aging myself there, but um, <laughs> kind of a Bueller Bueller moment. Um, and uh, there were questions throughout. There, people were engaged. They were um, not even waiting to the end. They were just jumping through, jumping into um, our talk throughout, asking questions. And people are very eager to understand. And there were some misconceptions uh, for sure about the technology and what it can do. Um, but I think everybody was on the same page of wanting to, to better understand it and knowing that there's going to be a place for this. We just haven't figured it out yet. And so getting back to my post uh, about AI and the law, the challenge for our generation. So that challenge to be clear, is that we we must expand our notion of the practice of law. And how do we expand it? Well, essentially the conceptual change or the conceptual improvement that we need to face as the challenge of our generation is moving from a one-to-one -one relationship where it's been up until this point, where you have one attorney and one client to a one-to-many relationship or many-to-many -many relationship and the clincher like the root of the problem is that we've never done it that way before and also how do we do it that way before and continue to um, safeguard people so all of the rules of the un unlawful practice of law and our ethics rules are written for the one-to-one -one relationship between an attorney and a client. But how do we how do we enforce the same concerns about doing right by our clients when it's one to many? And there are going to be a great number of companies and entrepreneurs that use this new technology to address the unmet needs of the great majority of the population that can't afford lawyers. And it's unavoidable that that's going to create problems with the existing uh, regulations and ethics of law. So I think, especially based on conversations I've had with state regulators and also professional responsibility lawyers, that there has to be a change. We're just not sure what it is yet. And I think the way that we all learn um, is unfortunately through uh, the experience of somebody going too far and there being a pushback from that and then trying to come up with rules based on the concrete example of what happened. And so that still needs to play out. But I think that there's going to be a number of opportunities to meet meet people where they're at with this technology and to improve everyone's ability to access the law. So that's what I believe is the challenge of our generation. And it's going to be a dr dramatic story to, to watch. I think that um, everyone will benefit from it eventually, but there's no clear answers right now. And I know we're all looking for those answers. And the best I could say is that we'll find them together. Thank you so much for watching LawDroid Manifesto, a rallying cry for legal innovation. 
Every week, I'll be posting a new Substack along with a podcast and video just like this. So please tune in. You won't want to miss it.